0: and welcome to Metaphysical. Have you ever heard of haunted relics? Egyptian culture has left behind many artifacts, some of which have been reported to be haunted, cursed, or that have really strange energy. But is there truth to these stories? We'll join remote viewer John Vavanko and me investigative researcher Rob Counts for a show that's out of this world. John, how you doing? Doing well. <clears throat> Doing well. Good. You look like a lumberjack. Oh, that was, that was what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's <laughs> good. You, you look well, like you should be in the Pacific Northwest.
0: Yeah. Really? Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought this was more of a classic Northeast look. No way. Really? No way. Pacific Northwest started it. They started the Lumberjack, that, that wasn't an, a thing that- I don't back know, in. I'm just making stuff up. I'm just being, I'm being <laughs> Sounds like John's though. like, I remote viewed it. <laughs> we were remote viewed it. It happened in, nope. this, in the West Coast. So actually speaking of that, uh, well, so everybody out there, like welcome to Metaphysical. I think this is our, what is this? Our 11th show, something like 11th. that, 12th show. It's, uh, it's getting up there. And, um, you know, just to start off the show, we like to tell everyone what remote viewing is just so that they know because it's important that they understand where some of the data that John has access to comes from. So, John, would you mind telling everybody what remote viewing is?
1: Yeah, you know, this is a, a way to get what we call non-local information, which is information that is not accessible by your five senses. You have to use a sixth sense that we all have in order to get the information. We use it in a very... Uh, well, I guess it's more complicated than just being psychic. And it's more accurate because you use multiple remote viewers doing very extensive methodologies and then correlating data between each of their sessions on a particular question. And that way you can come up with you know a guide to try to figure it out to get ration or to get you know like real world explanations on it on the data. So works well, <clears throat> can figure stuff out, been doing it for 25 years now. Um I mean, I've been through the ringer, um it's a whole story in and of itself, so
0: yeah and and, and actually maybe one of our shows eventually we, we should, should do work. one on remote viewing. I was gonna say maybe yeah. maybe what we do is one of our next shows is on remote viewing, and we'll have to actually publish that first so that everyone yeah. knows what's going on exactly. yeah but uh, but John has worked for for different three letter agencies out there you know of whom I speak not officially not right off record but has done work for different things including anti-terrorism and all kinds of stuff pretty
1: yeah you know it's funny like I get accused by people sometimes of being CIA like I'm like a CIA operative um but it's it's like not even close to that like the whole thing about me working in remote viewing was that you literally just have these people come in on the edge and identify who they are, who they work for, and just ask for really, really weird stuff. Can your team remote view this for me? Can your team remote view that for me? And so we would just do it. And it wasn't like so much like working for them. It was like, you're you're a contractor with no contract, and whenever they want to ask you for something. And half the time it was like, they couldn't even tell you what they wanted to know because that was classified. Right. And then and then in the case of like doing counterterror stuff, when I did all the count, and actually I, I haven't last time I did counterterror was just a couple of years ago. Because every once in a while I get somebody from some office, some like mid-level um, intelligence person wanting to get remote viewing information on on something related to counterterror. And it's like, you know, it's just like it's like an email. You know, like, hey, can you do this and that for me? I'm blah, blah, blah from this agency. Like,
0: yeah, all right, I guess so. <laughs> I love when people um, send really important things through email. <laughs> I know, right? It's great. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me either. <laughs> well, uh, the cool thing is, um, you know, we're going to be getting into a lot of different subjects on this show because there's really no bounds. Like any weird stuff that John and I think about or try, are trying to figure out, even on a daily basis, things that we come across, we can actually put through the ringer, do some research, and then try to find out through remote viewing how true some of this stuff is. And, and, and oftentimes, actually, some of the stuff we come out with is not what we thought it was going to be when we went in. Um, exactly. You know, sometimes- it's, you it's, it's even crazier. It's, or it's even crazier, or it's like, not that crazy. It's right. explainable, you know, and, and well, we can track you know, it back. A lot, you know, some of this stuff just, people get ideas
1: like solidified into ideas about, about what some of these things are. And then we remote view it. And then I tell what the remote viewing data is. And then they get, they get upset that, that was the data on it, it was, I remember the whole Valiant Thor thing where we got Valiant Thor. I don't know who talked about this before. Valiant Thor was the, you know, the stranger yeah, the, at the Pentagon guy or whatever
0: from. Yeah.
1: Well, he was, yeah, he was like some, some guy that was advising the U S right. government from Venus. <laughs> right. Um, and um, we got that it was just a psychological operation and it really, it really made people unhappy. I remember that they, they didn't like that. Yeah.
0: Cause it, you know, people would put a lot, I mean, that's how so- psychological operations work. Right. Exactly. They, they, yeah. they really hone in on a, on a story that you want to believe. And then you, you go through the process of believing it. And then you have cognitive dissonance when you find out that it's not true, you know? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. You get invested. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Oh, man. I the, the ways they put this, uh, you'd think people nowadays would be a little bit smarter about like military operations dropping, you know, like right. data. Cause it's well, like, when thing have thing. they not manipulated yeah. us, John? Right. Well, Cointelpro, uh, operations,
1: Go on like mad, especially mm. when you get into the cons- what they, the so-called conspiracy community. Right? Um, they go, they they're like mad. They 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 really have to turn those communities against themselves. If they don't, then they're going to figure out too much. They're going to spread information around solid information. And the more intense the operation gets, is when people are actually getting evidence of stuff. The operations mm. just go crazy. They get intense. Yeah. Here's a funny thing: UFO photos. I honestly think the whole genre of UFO, blurry UFO photos is part of the psychological operation so that once there is a
0: solid photo, nobody's going to believe it, right? It makes total sense. Yeah. It really does, though. And, and it's very well thought out. Yeah, I know. It is. It's so simple. I mean, yeah. oh, it, it- can't be real. It's clear. They're exactly. all blurry.
1: <laughs> it's I mean, like, well, supposed to be blurry. Yeah. Hey, but maybe UFOs you... are just blurry.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. It's like the same thing with like um with like photos of Bigfoot and stuff like that too. Right. You know, I mean, first of all, if Bigfoot is real, which I I think it is personally, like it would be very difficult to get a clear photo of the of the dude if he's that good at hide and seek. So right. you know right. and then and it's not just Bigfoot, it's like everybody. you get like blurry photos of everything out there, and if it's not blurry, you start thinking it's weird
1: right, exactly that that actually looks like one of those I don't know beings from Battlestar Galactica with the helmets, the slit in yeah, it helmet.
0: does <laughs> this is the this is the first this is the oG photo of uh, Bigfoot here yeah, <laughs> the first photo of Bigfoot that we're looking at on screen right now. Yeah. But anyway, back to our, yeah, what our are we about? subject, <laughs> we're going to be talking about haunted relics today. John, you have some experiences with this and we, we chose Egypt for a reason, but did you want to kind of tell everyone what haunted relics are? And Yeah. I
1: mean, haunted, actually, I went, I was in a uh, antique shop probably a couple months ago uh, and I go up to the counter and I'm like, where's your, where's your uh, haunted item section? Because <laughs> Because literally, the lady just looked at me. She's like, huh? I'm like, well, yeah, like half the items in here are haunted. If you like taken them and put them in one section that just says haunted items, right. you go into an ant- antique store. Like half of the stuff in there is freaking haunted. Mm. I mean, because what happens is that people's energy gets imbued in stuff after they've had it for a very long time, if, especially if it's something they loved or they had an emotional reaction to. And that spirit of it begins to live within that item. Um, So haunted relics are, are anything that's very old has the potential to be haunted because of somebody's emotional connection to it. Then you also have the magical item side. Magical items are, are relics that have been imbued with, with properties that are magic, part of a being or a soul, or, or somebody is, has magically, through you know, uh, some type of witchcraft process or, or magical process, imbued it with the spirit of something. Um, and those items exist as well. And I think a lot of the Egyptian relics I think that you know there is a society, you know, of these mystery schools that would imbue these things with aspects that could do certain things for people. They're kind of like astral tools, where where you can use these items to um, help you gain enlightenment or to protect from you know protect from the evil eye or protect a tomb or whatever. And so I think there were magicians and people like that who were imbuing these items with those types of energies as well.
0: You know what the biggest anomaly of Egypt is for me is how were they so advanced and how, how did they, how did they understand pyramids and all of this stuff if they didn't even figure out that they should be wearing t-shirts? I've never seen a, a, a wall a hieroglyphs of them drawing themselves where they actually put t-shirts on. T-shirts. I don't understand this. Like it's the most basic thing. Like uh, no. I know mean, at the beginning of every day, you just put on a t-shirt or whatever, just yeah. like something. They don't. You know? Yeah.
1: I mean, they're well, they were just too primitive to, to understand what clothing but is. But this is, this and, is but but that's how so they strange. make it
0: seem. But that's what not. I mean. But they were yeah. not primitive at all. Like it was like, I get, okay. Like joking aside, like I get that a part of their culture was this, whole thing but what has i think completely destroyed modern people's understanding of the past is this idea that every single culture was primitive when these people were smarter than us right by leaps and bounds i mean we're talking about people that with with whatever you want to call it primitive tools figured out astronomy so much better than anyone could nowadays i mean yeah. you know and and we're figuring out they they were using different methods you know, uh, but it, it's just well, if, just if, writing if, off writing off an entire culture because you you think that they're primitive, and and, and they're probably smarter than us. But that happens constantly, constantly. I mean, and I and I think these these cultures go back to
1: previous ages, previous ages on the Earth before cataclysm. And the civilization was built up, and then it was, you know, wiped out. Aspects of it were wiped out, and people have to start anew. They have to start fresh. And, and there's a whole different set of technologies that we've found. I mean, as far as relics go, like Egyptian relics, the, the Serapeum at Saqqara, like, okay, so this is a <clears throat> near the pyramids, near Giza, where you go underground, mm. and it, it was thought to be to bury apis bulls. But when we remote viewed it, it wasn't for that. Wait, to bury what? Apis, A-P-I-S, bulls. Oh, to bull, bury okay. Apis bulls. Right. So it's the, the Apis bull tomb. But that was something that the archaeologists um, came up with and thought that that's what they build it for, right? But it's not. When we remote viewed it, it was something totally different, that it was technology. These things were huge sarcophagi, with massive, massive thick walls, huge. And, and what we had seen with that is that this was a technology that was used from a previous civilization connected into Egypt that they were trying to escape a cataclysm that was happening um, in the atmosphere, as well as these wars that were going on. Um, at a certain point in history, a certain point in time. And what's very curious, so, you know, these are relics that are down there. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't know about the haunted side of those, but the story of a great cataclysm and, and going underground, we find tons of this stuff when we look at, across the board at these different areas like um, Gobe- gobelli tekli Gobele- Go Bella teke. yeah. I can never say it. Uh, right. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. We find that with there too, that that was a place where they went underground to escape what was happening in the atmosphere. And we find these, the same story, across all of these locations. So it's a very curious thing, very interesting, but they all had different technologies back then.
0: Well, and you know, that's my theory, is that the, like, okay, so the, 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 the pyramids... We, we see that gigantic pyramid, the Pyramid of Giza, right? Right. And, and then there are the three smaller pyramids built right near it. I, I mean, I, I think the Egyptians stumbled upon the pyramid and were like, they whoa, did. what is this thing? And then built the other three. And they're smaller because obviously, you know, whatever right. built the pyramids, the original ones, like that's a bigger feat than the capabilities of those people exactly
1: yeah Yeah, totally that's what we've seen too it's like it's so ancient it's before the current egyptian uh people yeah
0: like they and who knows how long it was under the ocean for or or it was a product of atlantis and you know right we're talking about like something completely different here
1: well look at look at the chinese pyramids have you seen that like the, the china there's pyramids everywhere in china and people have like grown like tree farms on top of them it's really interesting And this, this type of structure, the pyramid structure was really endemic to the earth in the previous ages is what we find. Like this is, this was used for many different purposes from, for spiritual purposes to power plants, literal power plants. I heard power plants as well. To uh, telepathic communication off planet. That's another aspect that comes across in the data. So there's a whole different technology, totally different that that most Earth humans aren't privy to these days. Totally different. That's fascinating. It's the power of shapes. You know, the pyramid, like like um, Brown's book uh, called "Shape Power." Mm. When you get into the the shapes have power. It's an odd thing to think yeah, about. Yeah, no, shapes for sure. Have power. They create energy the pyramid creates a really fascinating energy that can be used for a lot of
0: different things. Hmm. I should build one in my backyard and meditate in it is what you're saying.
1: Oh, heck yeah. I have a, I have a copper pyramid that I'll go inside of you can feel (laughs) the energy of it. Yeah. You know what I found is that it doesn't matter what material you make it out of necessarily. It's literally the shape.
0: It's the shape. Yeah. Interesting. So I, you know, I researching. I was in New York City for a while, and there were very curious things going on in New York City that I didn't know. I didn't. I couldn't explain. I didn't understand why they were there. And some of the things that I started finding were, in addition to black cubes on the streets there, that I, of course, attempted to explain, which wasn't that hard because it's just all Saturn symbolism and stuff. Exactly. But there, you know, related to that, there were very specific obelisks placed throughout. Uh, Manhattan in a straight line, going straight from uh, the main large obelisk that's in Central Park. Interesting, and, really. Uh, there is a, there and 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 the obelisk that's in Central Park in New York City is a very very famous obelisk, and um and it has a very bizarre story. Um, so. Um, this obelisk basically is one of Cleopatra's needles. And this was one of the two obelisks that was, I guess, put up at at the, uh, temple in Heliopolis. I I may be screwing that word up. Right. But it was, um, it it was one of the great Kings of the past. Um, uh, Lindsay can get us the, the exact name of, of the King, um, and uh, I think it was. Tutmosis. Tut Mo- Tut that's right. Tutmosis the third. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what's strange is. It, you know, over, over like wars basically toppled the toppled the, the, the needles and then they were covered for a long time and eventually uncovered by archeologists. And in 1877. I think it was they. They actually gave, or it's 1878. They gave one to the UK and America at the time. Really wanted to get their hands on one. You know, this is the story, right? So that's not necessarily the weird part because, like, all of that could make sense, right? But they wanted to. Now you have to understand at the time. This is in the late 1800s. Think about how, like, we're we're not talking about. Uh, a small thing here. We're talking about like, a, it's something like 60, what is it, 68? It was 55 tons, this thing. Jeez. Yeah, 60, 69 feet high. 69 feet high, 224 tons. I'm sorry, 224 tons. Something like, actually I got 50, can you look that up? I think one told me 55. So anyway, many, many tons. Yeah, it was the Cleopatra's needle, the weight of Cleopatra's needle. Okay, I've got conflicting information here. I I usually look at a few different places. So in 1877, America decide, like they they get given one of these needles. Now the other one is given to, to London, all right? And who other than William Henry Vanderbilt, Decides to fund the obelisk being brought over to the United States, huh? Yeah. Vanderbilt. It was over 200 tons, right? Yeah, so I, that's about right. Then um, 224 tons. So he decides to to fund it coming over to the United States. Now think about that. The effort. Right. Shipping that to the United States, finding the right boat and the right captain to get that over here, how expensive that would be. took three years to move the obelisk from Alexandria and Egypt to New York City Central Park. Now, um, that's not the best part. William Henry Vanderbilt chose the location specifically. He wanted it in a very exact place in Central Park. Okay. Huh. And the, 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 the trip took three years and it would only move one. Now it it does make sense why Vanderbilt would have been the one to help facilitate the movement in the city because Vanderbilt was a, was a train, train mogul. So they had to build a track in New York city and like basically train, not, you know, Yeah, actually, they trained the obelisk through the city and it took like forever. I mean, people were lining up with popcorn to watch this thing. There were people with like chisels and hammers trying to get a piece of it so that they could like take it like a little piece of it home with them to like sell it or whatever. So they had to have like guards on the obelisk all the time protecting it. Okay. And um, yeah, and it's it's just very strange that like why why that why the needle why was this so important and we know that the vanderbilts one of these old families were a lot more interested in ancient egyptian and assyrian sumerian culture right and it's cleopatra's needle right i mean we're we're talking about like one of the most significant one of the most significant artifacts from that era being brought over here into the United States in an exact line with other obelisks in New York City, in an exact line going straight throughout the city, almost so he's as if it's
1: something so, here. So he had an idea of, of, of where they should be placed, but what was the reason why? Now, was that ever, no.
0: No, I mean, this is, but this is the point. Like he, okay, after doing more research, I started looking at where the where the obelisk was in London, its sister obelisk. Okay. And there is some relationship with that obelisk where in terms of where it is in in London and where the one is in New York. And and somehow, like think about it. These are two of the biggest financial capitals in the world. Right. You know, that have like the obelisk in there. And apparently they were put on ley lines. Right. Specific Absolutely. types of lines. Like, and, and the only people that really were privy to information like that at that time really would have been a, a Vanderbilt of the world because we're looking at like right. secret society information. Like this is yeah, exactly, you know, it's not normal information that gives you the exact placement to put it. Now, what's, what's weird too, though, is that that obelisk, which you'd think would be in some type of museum to protect it and it's not. Right is about like 60 meters from the Metropolitan Museum of Art Egypt wing. You can see it. You can see the Egyptian wing from Cleopatra's Needle in Central Park. It's like right over there, you know? Right. And, um, and, and, you know, you go into that Egypt wing in the Met and there's some strange feels when you go through there. I mean, we're, we're, we're like the, the, the it's the best it's the best museum arguably in the United States, aside from oh, some yeah. of the Smithsonian museums that honestly the met i i give it an up on that and and it has some of the craziest Egyptian artifacts giving off the strangest feels and the needle is right there wow and you know I had an experience where I was you know um going through the city with a with a friend who was visiting they end up touching the needle and it was like weeks that they felt like it had screwed with them. They touched with the needle. They, they like, they, 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 they were touched. like, Oh, let me try to clear the energy here. Like they could do anything. And it ended up like really screwing with them for like weeks. And now of course, I, like, can, can I, I don't know. I'm not like that person. Like I can't say whether or not that uh, like really happened or not, or what was behind that. You don't know, but it was just, it was bizarre. Well, so they had the intention to try to clear, clear. The yeah. Energy. Like if it, if there was something bad that they could clear the energy or something right. and it was like, just right. don't touch it. Like, right. you don't, you, you don't touch the edge of a knife. Cause you're trying to dull it. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Right. I mean,
1: you have this um, this huge energy flow, especially if, if they purposefully placed it on ley lines. Um, and I mean that, you know, pyramids have a ton of energy you can actually create electricity with the shape of a pyramid. You literally can. Um, And I can't imagine these things are drawing up a lot of telluric energy, and they are are just transmitting energy. Can you bring that picture back up of, of Vanderbilt?
0: Yes. And I John want to see Vanderbilt again. The hieroglyphics on this thing tell a really strange story of like Horus or something, and resurrection, and just weird different things. Like there
1: you go. Look I at. I mean, I just had to go back. I just was looking at that beard. Like what? Yeah. What possesses got, you to have he's a pyramid? <laughs> he's got pyramids on his beard. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. I was looking at that, going, how is it? He's got pyramids. He's
0: moving obelisks. What's going on here? Oh, How are, No, That's you just wrong. I really thought sideburns had come back in the early 2000s, but this has taken it to a completely... You know,
1: you know what? This, You know, one of the one-fashion accessories that's never come back are wigs for men. You know? I mean, yeah. wigs for you men. You know what,
0: Don, Let's bring it back. Let's it's going to be you and I that do it. All right, let's do it. I think let's we please. should grow our beards like this and bring back the white wigs. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs>
1: I think, I think it's a good idea. All right. It's a, it's a great right. idea. I totally derailed the serious talk. It's all
0: right. I just, uh, I didn't. Oh, that's. Right. <laughs> that's right. Wow. No, the French really did it the worst, didn't they? It's they like. Wow. They really did not help themselves out that much. No, no they didn't. It's pretty and bad. The bibs, like, I just, it's hard to understand. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> Lindsay's like i don't know i just brought up a random picture of a french guy in a wig uh, man all right well anyway so um you know the the the, the cleopatra's needle um like story and then it's enti- well, wait what's what what are the hieroglyphs about do we know yeah so i i when you know there when you're there there's like it it has translations for each side of it and, okay. um, I might've taken pictures of it. I actually forgot about this part before the show, but like, it does say stuff about like, it says weird stuff about like Ho- Horus and, and some type of, huh. I believe resurrection or something like that. And, um, yeah, that would make sense. Just a bunch of Egyptian culture stuff. It know. may but- not,
1: it may not have made a difference mm. on what was, uh, uh, you know, inscripted on it as far as Vanderbilt was concerned, maybe he was just looking for the energy. I mean, I... he could have literally built those things himself and placed them.
0: Oh, uh, here it because... is. Yeah. So, see, like, Bull of Victory. Yeah. Like the crowned Horus Bull of Victory, which, like, when I hear Bull, I automatically think of, uh, you know, like Moloch or something like that, you know? <laughs> and. Oh, man. It's like. <sighs>
1: It's like we've existed too long in the conspiracy world. You know, know. when I think of bull, I think of Moloch.
0: Well, the thing is, though, is that a lot of pagan culture blends into one another. It's true. People don't know this, but it's like even like the Nordic culture, the Greek, the Roman and the Egyptian culture share too many things to go unnoticed. Uh right, like exactly. they share almost all of the same gods, doing all of the same things, and right. if you put all of them together to be one, you get a bigger idea and picture of what was really going on. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's been a huge uh, front of my research
1: lately in trying yeah, to find here. stuff for remote view. It's like like comparative mythology, they call it, you know, or comparative history. It's like. These, these stories, when you get deep into these stories, they're all the same across all cultures. It's just the names of gods and whatnot have changed, but they're the same,
0: same ones, same ones. I found the same thing. Yeah. 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 Even even when we're like in, in there, there are sometimes variations, but it gets scary when you deep dive on some of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and we can go into it and do another episode on a couple of those at some point. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so it, it, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, I walked through the museum, or it was uh, Ben walked through the museum in, in the Egypt section, and he's pretty sensitive to stuff, and he's just like I couldn't hang out in there. He he right. had to he had to leave. Ben from Edge of Wonder. Everybody at home who doesn't know who Ben is, he is a show that I do with Ben called Edge of Wonder. Everyone on Rise TV knows who that is, but um, yeah, it's just strange stuff. So i just kind of wanted to share that with you because it's it's bizarre when we start talking like we don't like the thing is is that those hieroglyphs mean something they put it on there for a reason and then also there's the energy part of that entire thing so there's meaning behind the hieroglyphs there's meaning behind the hieroglyphs and they're directing energy and vanderbilt just happens to put it at a place in manhattan at a certain spot why is that not being protected Right. It's just, there's too many strange things about this.
1: What is it? So is, is, how, many, how many are there? And like, what's the center point of it? Is he trying to draw energy to a specific
0: location? I, this is the thing is like, I, I don't know, like I haven't really done, I just started looking into the rabbit hole of how Cleopatra's needle got there. And it all started, right. and then I was like, I'm going through New York and I'm going to show everybody what I found. So we had a show where we went through New York and we went to all the weird Oh yeah, I remember that
1: show. You're going to like you're going to the Saturn cubes too and stuff.
0: Yeah. And if you if you start really looking at where like where people have put obelisks in their cities and and the significance of those obelisks, you start finding weird things. And I'm not talking about the ones that are in cemeteries, like the masons put in cemeteries and stuff. Not talking about that. I'm talking about the major ones that are put in specific locations, usually have a reason that they were put there. What are those reasons? Like what knowledge was Vanderbilt aware of that we weren't that he wanted to tap into?
1: Well, I mean, isn't uh, like the Vatican, um, uh, like there's locations in England that Washington DC, like the, the, the seats of power. Don't seats of power take advantage of ley lines and structures in order to funnel energy more. Right. Don't they take advantage of that in general?
0: Yeah, I think they do.
1: I mean, it seems like it seems like the way these things are set up are, are specifically geared to move energy and power to certain locations so that they somehow could utilize it. But see, today, like if you if you talk about this with people today, people don't necessarily believe in this stuff. Right. Interesting is that this type of, of configuration and what people have done in the past, it seemed to be more prevalent. And what people do, so is this information getting buried, or is it like literally people are forgetting about it?
0: I don't think I don't think it's that. I think people are hiding the information. I think that hiding they're it. only talked about in specific circles. It's sort of like what happened to the Library of Alexandria, right? The library of like, you know, like, like if you research libraries alone, libraries, very, very interesting stuff. Like there's the Vatican has a very secret library. We're talking about, (laughs) um, we're talking about the, the Renaissance really starting to bring back some of this information. Right. You know, like the first library that really opened everybody up. Was the library run from that big family? What was the big big family begins with an M in the in the uh, Renaissance Medi- Medici. Medici? Excuse me. Yeah. All right. Um, so the the Medici family, who basically funded the Renaissance, the brain fart there for a second. Um, you know, they they funded libraries that people had access to, and they were bringing in more some of this like more ancient knowledge, and and right. they have like. People going off, you know, you know, at war and finding things in those places and bringing them back and the stories and all of that stuff. And it's starting to, like, change people's understandings of stuff.
1: Right, um, right. Well, like you the know, Holy like Roman Spirit, Empire is just a big Spirit rabbit hole. The of Destiny has been something that people have chased after for Spirit a Spirit of Destiny is a big one. Isn't it said that if you have the Spirit of Destiny, then you will have power over the world or Victory like and war. Victory and War, that's yeah. what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and Hitler was obsessed with it. We've done our right. whole our whole series on relics of power at Edge of Wonder. We really dug deep. Right. And, and Spear of Destiny was the first thing that we did because he was obsessed with it. It was, was what obsessed with it. It was really what formed his his initial like Veltenschwang or like worldview uh-huh. on yeah, like, right. the entire thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you know I mean, the dude would go and stare at the spear, in that museum, in um, it was yeah. The, what was it called? The Habsburg, the Ho- Hofburg Museum. The Hofburg Museum. The so He
1: would go there and stare at it, and, and he would go,
0: and he started having visions in front of it. And and this was a common theme with the Spear of Destiny: is people that would that would covet it or or seek it out eventually would start having visions in front of it. And now this is now a lot of people think, okay, this is just the spear that stabbed Jesus, but actually the, the spears history goes back way further than, than the spearing of Jesus thousands of years to like, we're talking about, you know, um, Kings like Kings that had the spear, like, was it Charlemagne? Yeah. It wasn't Charlemagne It was long, well, Longinus, but previous to him, like, anyway, it it went back really far in history. And, and, and the idea was whoever, whoever had the spear was unbeatable in war. And this is why Hitler wanted the spear. And when, you know, when Hitler lost the spear, that was when apparently he was taken down and it was general Patton that apparently intersected, that entire thing. And, and this is the downfall of Hitler. Now that's of course a very fa- fanciful story, whether that's everything that happened is, is another thing, but right. You know,
1: Right. Right. So this is a relic, this is a relic of power. So it would be, it would be along the lines of a haunted item to a degree. It sounds like,
0: or, or something like we, we yeah. don't really know, but then, you know, you've got the, the, the Ark of the covenant, which had similar, similar types of actually, the first Indiana Jones, if you replaced the Ark of the Covenant with the Spear of Destiny, that would have been the story. Like, that was actually the story. However, the Ark of the Covenant, the, sto- the part of the story in, um, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark where they open the Ark and what happens to everyone, that's reportedly actually what happens if you open the Ark and you're not worthy of looking at it.
1: Right. Yeah. We've, we've, we've gone into the Ark of the Covenant um, many times. Um, but I think I'm going to save that.:
0: Yeah, I'll we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> for sure. We're on Egypt today. So anyway, back to the story here. you know, yeah. um, Lindsay, can you pull up that image that I just sent you um, of what's in the Met museum? so this this actually is in the Met Museum, and there's a few things in there that just like there's also like an entryway before it. Um, I'm going to send you this too. Hopefully this you can pull this up and it'll give you. Um oh geez. Uh one sec, John. I'm trying to get Lindsay to pull this up for us. This is some of the some of the artifacts that the Met Museum has of Egyptian origin. Right. And if you scroll down to the Temple of Dendur. So this was apparently completed by 10 BC made out of sandstone. Um, Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I've, I've, I've been there. I've seen that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. This is like, these things, these things have energy. They do. And if you, if you were from this room, if you were to look out those windows right to the right of this, um, of the structure you'd see cleopatra's needle
1: that's really curious exactly i wonder how long that display has been there i mean some years now yeah you know you know when we get into museums and um and 1967 museums museums are often a front for um moving even stranger artifacts that they don't want to keep the public uh or, or have the public be aware of yeah uh, as, as, uh, well, they, they, they move artifacts, strange things through them. And they have really strange ideas because I mean, when you get to museums, it's, it's like Rockefeller and yes. those type of people run these the Vanderbilts the Rockefellers, the elite, um, that pur- purportedly, you know, run this planet, or at least think they do, um, uh, have these museums where they're actively searching for strange artifacts, literally, I mean look at um Sir William Pittree and what happened with him in the Rockefeller Museum which what happened Well, go, well I'll tell you in the next episode. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah cuz does that have something to do more with the um Cairo Museum? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think um I think it's the same it's the same thing really where where we've got objects that are that are built to obtain the built to kind of move energy or pull in energy. And then you've got like the, the entire thought process behind those things that were worked into it, that all have a history that, that the artifact doesn't forget.
1: Right. Exactly. And totally. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes imbued with it. It's a, it's a strange, it's a strange, it's like it takes on an aspect of consciousness um, you know, I mean, we've remote viewed rocks before, so, like we remote viewing rocks, remote viewing trees, plants. What we find is that sometimes there's more consciousness in, in, um, some of these rocks, trees, and plants than in others as well. Like, it seems like some of these are tractors of consciousness too. And I think that the more focused people have had on these things, the, the, the stronger consciousness it evolves within it. And you got to wonder if it's, if it's a new type of thing where something new is coming into it or a fractal from the person who was, or people who were attached to it.
0: And I want to bring up one thing before we end this episode too, because I'm I'm remembering stuff now too, is it, I'm, I'm, I always find museums take Egyptian culture so seriously Right To the point where even, even the Louvre itself is built under a pyramid. They built right. a, a glass pyramid. No. Well, why did they do that? Somebody, like, this is kind of my point, is like somebody knows something that they're not telling us. I don't think it's just a hat tip to history. It's not. It can't no. be. It's, it's the like, power why, of Why the make Washington, D.C., as egyptian as it is where where the actual masonic temples look like egyptian temples it's like a cross right. between greek and egyptian architecture right the main masonic temple there it's it's crazy actually cuz i used to go around dc looking for this stuff and like this stuff has to be for a reason
1: yeah definitely it, it is i mean i think it <clears throat> it has to do with shape power i think it has to do specifically with the power that that creates
0: that's dc <laughs> Oh, that's funny.
1: Um, it specifically has to do with the shape, the shape and the power it creates. I'm sure of it. Okay, um, I mean, you know, Egyptians were here in the United States too. They were here. Yeah there's there there so are there there were artifacts found, right? Oh yeah, I mean, in Utah, th- there's hieroglyphs that you can go look at that are likely Egyptian in origin. Remember when we went to the Gosford glyphs? Oh, yeah, I remember that.
0: Australia. That I was in Australia. Yeah.
1: I mean, it seems as though they were everywhere. Some of those glyphs were fake, though. Some of them were brand new, but some of them were also very
0: I remember new. that, yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, you guys, we're um, we're pretty much finished with this episode of Metaphysical. We're in our next episode on this subject. We're going to be getting into strange artifacts in the cairo museum that john and his team have remote viewed and all of the strange hauntings revolved around those john did you want to say anything about it no you're gonna wait i love it all right you guys well uh thank you for being here with us and um stay vigilant and wait be vigilant. i'm gonna get it right keep your wits about you or something Be vigilant and stay curious (laughs) all right you guys